You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because we all deserve to feel at home in our bodies. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. I'm your host, Stephanie, and thank you so much for being here. I hope you all are having a great week so far. Um, I really only have one thing to share with you guys before we hop into the content of this week's episode, which I'm so excited about. Um, and that is, I, I mentioned this on last week's episode, but I am planning on doing a series of Instagram lives coming up here in the next probably a week or so. And I'm not a hundred percent sure how I'm going to structure them, but I'm probably going to do one a week. And we're going to dive into some of the internal work around like what it really means to heal the relationship that we have with ourselves so that we can heal the relationship we have to our bodies. So I will keep you all posted on when those are officially going live <laughs> and what that will all look like. So stay tuned for that. So this week I had the lovely Sarah Romero on the podcast and we, once again, I feel like this happens with everyone, but we met on, on Instagram and she was really interested in sharing her story with hypothalamic amenorrhea HA. And that has been a really asked for topic from, from you all. And so I, I was absolutely happy to, to bring Sarah on and have her talk about her story and In this episode, Sarah talks about her fitness journey, how she thought she was doing everything right from a health standpoint. You know, she was exercising five to six times a week, eating 1,618 calories a day, eating foods that were clean, um, was in the normal BMI range. And from the outside, everything looked fine. But then when Sarah went off birth control to start her family, she discovered her body wasn't having a natural period and was eventually diagnosed with HA. So in this episode, we really dive into her story, what that looked like, and then what she did to do to get her period back, and then how she's now redefining health for herself today. We also talk about redefining identities, working through the process of gaining weight and reestablishing trust within our bodies and within ourselves, um, because our bodies are so much smarter than we give them credit for. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit more about Sarah. Sarah Romero is a certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. After recovering from hypothalamic amenorrhea and years of exercise addiction and disordered eating, she is now a strong advocate for body positivity and the anti-diet movement. She works with her mom as a food and wellness blogger for their blog, Kiwi and Carrot, as well as a contract photographer and videographer. Her and her husband just built a home together nestled up in Little Cottonwood Canyon here in Utah. And Sarah enjoys traveling with her husband, loves to spend her time outside whenever she can, rock climbing, canyoneering, hiking, and trail running. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And here is Sarah. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am too. This is a topic that has been coming up more and more recently. And I... I'm excited to dig into your story and yeah, I think this is just going to be really good. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to talk about this. Yeah. So Sarah actually reached out to me and 
it's just, I love this podcast and the way it's bringing people together and the way it's brought me connection with different women. And you reached out to me, you found me through, I think it was Brit, right? Yeah. So you interviewed Brit, um, in, or in season one and I'm good friends with her. So I kind of got introduced to the podcast through her and just started binge listening and just fell in <laughs> love with your podcast. And um, yeah, I felt like my story might be able to help some of your, your audience. So hopefully yeah. it can. Well, and did you find, I can't remember how you found Brit. Was that through a similar, was it? So actually, I, I went um, to high school yeah. with Brit. Yeah, she was in my brother's um, grade. And we became closer friends through our HA journeys. So both of us dealt with hypothalamic amenorrhea, HA (laughs) for short, um, and that really just kind of created a stronger relationship and bond. Awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of hypothalamic amenorrhea, that's what we're going to dig into today. I would love if you could first just tell us a little bit about you, and then we can just dig into your story specifically around how you found out you had HA and yeah. your recovery process and all of that kind of stuff. So why don't we just start with a little bit about you and we'll go from there. Okay. So I am a certified personal trainer and um, fitness nutrition specialist. And I do, I've worked more, um, more in that the past few years and I've kind of started trailing off and doing some other stuff as well. Um, I work as a food and wellness blogger for my food blog, Kiwi and Carrot. Um, I do that with my mom and that's been super fun. So I do a lot of like contract um, recipe development and uh, that kind of thing. And then let's see, my husband and I have been married about five years and we just built a home up um, Little Cottonwood Canyon in Sandy, Utah. And we love it up here. So love being outside, love traveling with my husband and yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> We're just down the street from each other. Yeah, it's awesome. I know. Love Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so the great. weather's been cold recently, but... Oh, I know. I guess we're bringing on the winter. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, awesome. So I want to learn a little bit more about how this whole journey started. So yeah. where... Yeah, where did this begin? I guess we'll just... Wherever you yeah. feel like you want to begin... Okay. I'll just go. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Okay. If you have questions, let me know. So, um, I think thinking back now, I think it all started, um, at a very young age. I was a dancer growing up and nothing crazy, like competitive dancing, but you know, I had ballet classes a few times a week. Um, and that was kind of the first, I mean, I started dancing when I was like four. And as I just kind of went through this dancing journey, I just became more and more aware of my body, my body size and shape. And I think the um, environment of like the ballet studios naturally promoted comparison because you're in a room full of mirrors, full of girls in tight little, you know, whatever. Um, and your the teacher tells you to do something and you're doing it and she's correcting you and molding your body and you're comparing yourself to girls. So I think that's kind of where it all started. Not so much like a disordered mindset, but more of just an awareness of my body versus other girls' body. Um, and then fast forward, when I was 14 years old, um, I got my first period. 
And that year after that, I had very irregular periods, which is normal um, when you're first starting to cycle. And I, I probably had like three or four periods that year. Um, and then I decided I wanted to start getting into running um, and not, not necessarily to lose weight or to change my body, but because I was interested in trying in just being active and I wanted to try something different than dance. And some of my friends were into running. So I started to run and I fell in love with it. And I just, I was not educated at all on nutrition and fueling your body and taking proper rest days. I just didn't have the knowledge. And so I just go on long runs pretty much every day and wasn't fueling myself enough. And I started losing weight. So that summer I lost 10 pounds and, um, I, I, I liked seeing the scale going down. Um, because as women, and as, you know, a 14-year-old girl, that's kind of what we're told is good, is to be smaller. And everyone around you is trying to lose weight. All the women and, you know, they're always talking about losing weight, getting, getting down on the scale. And so I, I kind of liked seeing this, this, the number on the scale go down. Um, and I really liked the control that running gave me. And um, I kind of had... I mean, I've, I've always kind of had that perfectionistic mindset and type A personality, overachiever, straight A student. And I really liked the control that running gave me over like the stress levels in my life, but also over my body. So um, that, so yeah, I had lost 10 pounds that summer and my next period just never came. And it wasn't like this big aha moment, like, uh oh, there's a problem because it had been so irregular before that I just kind of kept waiting and waiting. And it was probably about two years after. Um, so I was about 16 years old and my mom started getting concerned. And so, cause I still hadn't had a period. And at this point I was still, you know, really small, still really into running. So she took me to the doctors and I got all sorts of tests done. I got an MRI. I got blood work. And the doctors kind of told me that everything was normal, but I was just really active. And I was, in a, I was still in the normal BMI range. Um, so they weren't like, oh, you're so underweight. They just said, you're an active girl. Let's start you on birth control to get your periods going. And so at 16 or 17 years old, I blindly said, yes, because I didn't know any better. You know, that's what my, I trusted my doctors and that's what they told me to do. So, um, I went on birth control and I was having withdrawal bleeds every month, which was kind of a mental and physical bandaid on, you know, the, the real issue that was going on. So do you want me to just keep going? Yeah. This okay. is great. Okay. So I was on birth control for the next seven years. And all the while I got more and more into fitness, I actually gained the 10 pounds back. Um, but I was very muscular. Um, I got into CrossFit. I had a very low body fat percentage. I got into strength training. And I really started to create this identity around myself as like the fit girl, and I was super into fitness, loved it. It's kind of what I like 
breathed, you know, I just breathed fitness. Um, and everyone kind of started to get to know me as the fit girl and the healthy girl and the, the runner and CrossFitter. And I loved that about myself. Um, and I received a lot of validation around my body. Um, you know, oh, you're so strong, you're so muscular, blah, blah, blah. And that was that that kind of fueled everything for me. Um, so I ended up graduating from college, still on birth control. I got married. Um, but eventually I started having a lot of health problems. I started noticing weird, like heart palpitations. And that was very concerning for me. Um, some chest pain that was kind of, I, I, I got it all checked out, but everything they kind of said looked normal. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, I had really bad gut issues. I was diagnosed with IBS and they couldn't really tell me what was wrong, but they said, you know, you've got, I just felt miserable with my gut issues. I was cold all the time. My hair started thinning. I found out I had hypothyroidism. So I had a slow thyroid. Um, so all of these weird health things. And I was such a, in my mind, quote unquote, healthy person because I was doing everything right. I was exercising. Um, I wasn't overweight, right? I was eating a really healthy diet. Um, and I was in the normal BMI category. And I think it's important to to point out here that I wasn't eating 800, 900 calories a day. Like I was eating 1600 to 1800 calories, which is, you know, some of the fitness magazines will tell you 1200 is what we should be eating as women. So I was, I felt like I was eating plenty. So I didn't really think of that as an issue. Um, so with all these health issues. And then my husband and I kind of started thinking, well, maybe we should start thinking about kids. I decided to go off of birth control. So I went off of birth control and I never got a period. And it was three months went by, six months went by. So finally I went in to get some blood work done because I was a little concerned and we wanted to start a family um, eventually. And my blood work came back as my hormones reflected a postmenopausal woman. Mm. Like I had no estrogen in my body, no progesterone. And my doctor was very concerned. Um, and he said, let's go get your bones tested. And that was like, that confused me. I, Cause up until that point, I didn't know the correlation between cycling and bone health. I had no idea. Um, cause no one had ever told me that. And so I went and got a DEXA scan and uh, found out I have osteopenia, which is a precursor to osteoporosis. Mm. And at this point I'm like, you know, 23 years old. And if this continues by the age of 30, I will have full blown osteoporosis, which, you know, is what 80 year old women get. So it was just, that was a huge wake up call. Like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And all of these health problems were stemming from my quote unquote healthy lifestyle. Um, so I was diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea or we can call it HA because that's a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> and so basically or HA, um, it's, so your hypothalamus is a region in your brain 
and it controls the endocrine system. So your hormone system throughout your body. Um, and it controls that through the pituitary gland. So when you have HA, basically what's happening is your brain, this area in your brain is recognizing that your body's under too much stress. So it's, it's basically saving your life. It's saying, okay, we don't need, we don't need your um, reproductive system to survive. We can, so it shuts it off. We can slow down your thyroid. We can uh, slow down your metabolism. You don't need all this hair on your head. You don't need warm fingers and toes. So it does everything it can to conserve energy. Um, and so, and in that way, like bodies are incredible. Those, you know, by shutting off my, my endocrine system for however many years, it was basically saving my life. Um, and so once I started learning about HA, I realized that I needed to make some changes. And my, I have to be careful here, but my doctors were not super helpful. Mm. They basically, they didn't, because I was in the normal BMI category and they asked me like, what's your exercise like? And I explained like, you know, I'll do a 20 minute to one hour CrossFit workout six times a week. They're like, Oh, well, that's not too much. You're fine. You know? Mm -hmm. So they didn't really think that there was that much to do with my activity and like my lifestyle. Um, so they talked more about medical interventions, you know, take the calcium pills and drink a lot of milk for your bones. And when you want to have kids, we can look into steroids and IVF and, you know, Mm -hmm. so they were kind of going that route but I just felt sick over it. I was like, I have done so much damage to my body. I don't want to put a bandaid on it. I want to fix it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so at this point I started researching online because the doctors really weren't giving me answers. Um, so I started Googling and, you know, doing all this research and I found a lot of women who struggled with this and they were able to fix and basically reverse HA by totally changing their lifestyle. And so um, I kind of like slowly dipped my toes into slowing things down, but still continue to work out, you know, eating a little bit more food here and there. Um, Just a very slow, tentative process. Um, But then, I mean, nothing really changed. And, you know, a few months went by, I gained a few pounds, nothing really changed. So then I found this book and I, it's literally saved my life. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, It's titled No Period Now What by Nicola Rinaldi. And she basically dives into everything. And the book surveys hundreds of women that have been through this and have recovered. And it shares their experience of what they did. And she walks you through the entire recovery process. And there's also like a Facebook community that's linked with that, with that book. So I like just fell headfirst into the book and just read and read and just consumed it all. Um, and I decided I made the decision to go all in, which is what she calls it. Basically all in, um, is eating 2,500 calories minimum a day and basically cutting out all high intensity workouts. So the only exercise you're 
supposed to do or you know allowed to do if you're if you feel like it is slow walking and light yoga just a few times a week. You don't want to get your heart rate above 140. I mean, you're basically just chilling, right? You're just sitting on your butt and eating a ton of food and resting as much as you can, reducing all the stress that you can out of your life. So I was like, okay, this is so different from the life I've lived, but like, I'm desperate. My body is so sick. Like I've got to do something. And so I made that decision and I did that for a few months. Um, and this was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> there was, there yeah. was like so, I mean, there were so many things that went into it. Um, first of all, I had this like identity crisis because I was known as the fit girl. And I, you know, I had all these questions like in my head, well, if I just, if I'm just gaining weight and not exercise, like what are people going to think think of me like, Oh, she's just letting herself go. Like I just had all this, all these, you know, doubts and fears and worries about judge, like judgment from other people. Um, and that was really stressful. Um, I kind of had to, I had to do a lot of mindset work. I had to do, do a lot of sitting with the hard things, thinking about like redefining my worth and redefining what is beautiful and what is healthy. And that was hard. Um, one thing that helped a lot during this process was um, being a part of a community mm-hmm. of um, like-minded women who were also struggling to, to recover from HA. So that Facebook group saved me. I mean, it was so nice because there was so much support in that. Um, and then another thing that really helped me through this was um, changing the media that I consumed. So I started listening to body positive um, podcasts and anti-diet culture podcasts. And I you know, unfollowed so many people on my Instagram feed and started following different accounts. And that made a huge difference because when you're, when you're continuously filling your mind with um, these these new ideas to challenge your old ideas of what is healthy, what is a good amount of food to eat, what is you know, then it it totally changes the way you think about yourself and the way you think throughout your day. So that was huge. Um, another thing that really helped me was I wrote an article um, during my recovery called "Fitness Made Me Infertile" and published it on this little blog, um, just kind of personal blog that I had and then shared it. I shared it with everyone, with family, friends, social media. I mean, just everyone. And that was super, it was really nice to do for my own journey because a, it got my story out there. So it kind of reassured me like the judgment, you know, people would understand what I was doing and why I was doing it which to me going through was an important part of it, of, of redefining my identity, right? And then it also held me accountable because you know I got my story out there and said, I'm doing this until my body is healed. And so it, it really was kind of like a way to keep me accountable and, and to follow through until the end. So those were things that really helped me. Um, and then just leaning for support on my husband and my family and friends and 
just getting really open and, and vulnerable with people, it, it was really helpful. Um, and it was incredible too, once I had published that article to hear the response that I got, there were, I mean, I was getting hundreds of messages, calls, texts, emails, comments on the blog post from friends and friends of friends and complete strangers saying that they were going through the same thing or their daughter was or their sister or their friend or, you know, so many women struggle with this. And that was a big eye-opening thing for me. And it motivated me to continue with my recovery because I knew that I needed to, to kind of inspire and help all the women that, that were going through this because it's seriously an epidemic. Yeah, it's, it's scary. So um, there's kind of a happy ending to this. <laughs> so I'll yes. just finish that and then you can <laughs> ask me any questions you have. Um, so I had gained about 25 pounds and everyone, I get this question a lot. Like how long is it going to take me? How much weight do I need to gain? The number one thing, like the, the answer I give is it depends on your body because everyone's body is so different. Um, for me, once I went all in, I got my period within about six weeks, but I had been, I had slowly been gaining weight for like nine months and I'd been making those slow changes for months before that. Um, so it, it takes women an average of six months, but it can be up to a year. It can be longer. It can be shorter. It really depends on the, on the girl. And then the BMI, I mean, the, the amount of weight that you need to gain is so dependent on your body and your body's set point. Yeah. Um, and so I had gained about 25 pounds and I got my period, which was the first period, natural period I'd had in about 10 years. And that was just like, it was so rewarding. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, finally, it was the best feeling in the world, which I know some women out there are like, are you kidding me? It's not fun to deal with, but I was so grateful for it. And I will never, um, take that for granted because it meant that my body had trusted me and that I was healthy again. Um, so it was super rewarding. So I had, after that, I continued to um, continued with this lifestyle of recovery. So for three cycles, I did not add any exercise. I didn't change my diet. Um, and I maintained my weight, but I continued to just fuel my body. And basically you want to make sure that your body is continue or is, is kind of getting used to this and still trusting you. Cause if you, it's common where you'll get that first period and you're like, Oh, I'm healed. And then you jump back into your you know, workout your strenuous workouts and whatever, and, and you'll lose it again. So I waited for three cycles and then I slowly added some light strength training, you know, a little faster hiking, just like very slowly added it back in. And I cycled for eight cycles. And then on the ninth, um, the ninth cycle, my husband and I decided to start trying for kids that my body had had some time to heal and that my Bones were hopefully um, starting to to gain some more bone mass, and we got pregnant the first time we tried, which was super exciting. So now, yeah, we're expecting our first boy, uh, first baby boy, and just 
everything about the whole the the journey is worth it now. I mean, seeing that ultrasound with that little baby in there, it's just like it made it made the whole thing worth it. Um, and even if even if your goal is not a baby, just knowing that my body is healthy and that like I, I feel like my relationship with my body now is so I have such a I have a good relationship with my body. Like I feel like we're like friends now because I'm giving it what it wants, which is fuel and exercise when it feels rested and rest. And it's giving me what I want, which is health and fertility. And, and that relationship is just, it's so important to have. So that's kind of, I mean, that was a lot, but that's, that's, that was my journey with HA and, um, Luckily, it ended very happily for me. <laughs> that was so beautifully said. <laughs> um, I, I'm just, there are so many little things I want to pick apart in there because I think that it'll just be helpful. I feel like people are going to be listening to this and just a couple of other conversations I've had, a lot of people have had to either gain weight or they've seen weight gain as a result of shifting this mindset around diet culture and all of this kind of stuff. And I know we touched on this a little bit, but how was your, like, how did, because I know a lot of people are going to be struggling with the fact that like, I have to gain weight. You know what I mean? And I know you talked a little bit about like having to change your relationship with your worth and where you were driving that from and all of that kind of stuff. But like, what was your process with getting comfortable with gaining that weight and kind of like, what is that? And I know like, what does that look like today? Can we just break down that process a little bit? Yes. More? So first it's such an individual process for everyone. So, um, everyone's journey with this is going to be a little bit different, but there was just, I mean, there was so much that went into it. Like I mentioned, I think the biggest thing that helped me was changing, was listening to other people um, I think for me, I get, I, I had kind of gone that far in my life expecting validation from other people. That's kind of like, I fed off of that. And so through recovery, I recognized that, that like, I, I do really well when people validate me. So when I started listening to podcasts and things that were validating my weight gain and were validating a bigger body, and validating um, eating more and all the changes that I was making, that made me feel like it was acceptable, like it was the right thing to do. And you won't find that typically unless you search for it, um, unless you're you know, actively searching for podcasts and Instagram feeds and uh, Facebook groups and people, people that are, are in that body positive world that's where you'll find that. And that's one thing that really helped me. Um, also, just picking apart my past with things and kind of finding like the root cause. Like, why did I think that my worth was, was defined by my body size? Why did I think that, you know, that being fit was the end goal and like, picking apart all of that. Um, I think it's super crucial because you can't, you can't fix 
those mindset issues unless you figure out what the mindset issues are in the first place. So basically finding, going back and thinking through my life, where did I find those? How did I get to this mindset in the first place? And then picking that apart and questioning it and doubting it and saying, kind of reframing my mindset. Um, Does that make sense? It's kind of abstract, but I think everyone kind of has to do their own work on this where they just, they just question everything. They ask them, they ask why, like, why do I believe this? Why am I living this way? Why do I prioritize, you know, a tiny body so much? Um, Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's perfect because I'm finding this a lot. And I think this is why in general dieting doesn't work Mm -hmm. (laughs) and why this whole, because, because, we haven't changed that core belief of where those things are coming from. Like why is all of my worth placed so much in being smaller? Like where is all of this coming from? And if we're not addressing that and working on like shifting that belief, the behavior itself, no matter what we're doing is not going to like, you're not going to, it's not going to stick. I mean, it literally goes for anything. I was kind of looking at my behaviors this week and when this is, this podcast is being launched, it's not, this is October that we're talking right now, but this will be later. But I gave up social media for October because I was feeling overwhelmed and super stressed. And I was like, I feel like I'm spending too much time on social media. I'm just going to get rid of it. And I still found myself anxious. And it was because I wasn't addressing my mindset around scarcity and feeling left behind. And so if we're not coming from that perspective of like, where are our behaviors coming from? It's never going to shift. And so I think in terms of weight gain and in terms of changing our relationship with our body image, where is that coming from? Because if we're not looking there, it's never going to shift. And so I'm glad you touched on that because I think that's so important to really come from the core of why. Yeah. And there's so many other things too that can help creating like different mantras that you repeat to yourself, like I am worthy or I am enough. That kind of thing really helps to try and stop the comparison game also really helps because as women, we naturally compare ourselves to other women. And it's just so everyone's body is so unique and different and it's supposed to be that way. But if you get out of that comparison trap, that's huge. Also like the inner dialogue that we have with ourselves. If we're looking at ourselves and instantly thinking about all the negative things and, Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that that's going to really drag you down. So reframing the the dialogue that you have with yourself and just talking, you know, letting those thoughts pass and then bringing in positive affirmations for yourself. I mean, there are so many things. I, I wrote an ebook actually about all the mindset work that I did. And I can give you the link to that yeah. if you want to include it in your show notes um, or it's on my blog as well. And hopefully that can kind of help some women if they feel like they're struggling with the mindset shifts because it's, it is hard. It's a lot of work and it is very individual too. Yeah. And something that I, I mean, I I feel like I've mentioned this so many times, but it's so important is to come back to that curiosity piece. Like if we, and this, the more I dig into this internal work, it's so fascinating to me. and so, so, so cool. And you think, so if you think about, you have these negative thoughts about yourself and 
a lot of times the things that we're searching for externally, we're not giving ourselves internally. So we're searching for connection. We're searching for love. We're searching for validation. We're searching for worthiness and all of these things. But if we look at everything we're searching for externally and shift it to where am I not giving myself those things? Like we should be able to meet all of those things ourselves without needing to turn to the external world at all. And so if we're craving connection and we're meeting all of these thoughts with a negative mindset or an, or like, oh, I'm, why am I having that thought? That's such a dumb thought. Ugh. If we're meeting all of those things with a judgmental view, we're creating disconnection within our bodies already. And so it's just kind of crazy to think about it from that standpoint. But meeting all of those thoughts, being curious about those thoughts, seeing them come by and say, interesting, is that mine? Is that true? Does this serve me right now? I'm not going to hate the thought because it's there. I'm not going to create that turmoil within my body, but I'm just going to say, nope, that's not going to serve me right now. And like you said, let it pass. And so creating that connection within ourselves, I think is a really important piece to changing the relationship we have with our bodies. And yeah, no, I think that's a really important thing to bring up too, is the not judging yourself and being patient and being loving. And because it is really hard when you're coming from this mindset of what you believe is beautiful, when you start changing that, it's really hard not to judge yourself and to question and to wonder like, is this right? You know, what am I doing? What I mean, all these doubts and thoughts come naturally. So I think it is. I mean, I love that point that you do need to just, you, you don't, you shouldn't be judging yourself for having those thoughts because that's, I mean, it's, it's all part of the recovery process. And so you just recognize it. Like you said, recognize it, recognize that this is hard, let it go, let it pass, and then try and fill you know, the, that empty space with new, (laughs) with new positive affirmations. Yeah. And just to remember too, like these are thoughts we've had for 10, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. These are beliefs we've created over long periods of time. We can't expect ourselves to instantly turn that switch off. You know, it's, I still, I mean, I've been doing this, I've been recovering from my own disordered eating and, and exercise addiction for a long time. And I, this week had thoughts, you know, I had my mood shifted because I was like, I should be exercising. And then it's like, those things are never going to go away per se. It's, it's more of like recognizing that, okay, I don't have to believe that and creating that love and connection with those thoughts. And something that's been really helpful for me too, is while we're shifting those core beliefs to use, I am in the process of becoming or like knowing that I'm worthy or like use it instead of like, I am worthy. It's like, I think our bodies have a hard time believing that because for so long we've said I'm not worthy. So to start with, I'm in the process of shifting my relationship to worthiness or those kinds of things. And like letting it be gentle and and letting yourself like, it's going to be hard, <laughs> but that patience and the, the love around it is, a, is such a crucial part, like we were saying. So this is totally shifting complete gears. <laughs> but That's I'm just I'm just curious. I want to learn a little bit more about um your symptoms. I just I, w- I want to know a little bit more about like what did those specifically look like for you and I know it's probably going to be a little bit different for everyone, but I'm just curious as to like the specifics around the symptoms you were feeling for being like 
you know, what's, what's going on. And and that Mm -hmm. kind of shifted your mindset into maybe something's going on. Okay. Yeah. So like I admit, so first I should say, um, it's important to understand the repercussions of not having a cycle besides just losing fertility. So the big main ones, um, are like I mentioned, bone health. You lose bone mass because estrogen protects your bones and helps to build up your bone mass. So bone health. um, And then there's studies that show that it affects your heart health as well because your heart is a muscle. And if you're not feeding that muscle and um, building that muscle, then it will shrink. So heart health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if that was necessarily the cause of my my chest pain and my heart palpitations because the doctors didn't necessarily see anything that was different or wrong with my heart it makes me wonder if it was more just a stress response to all the stress that I was putting on my body um and then brain function is also one um that can be affected by not having the cycle so there's you know if, if you continue this for years and years and basically, you know, a lifetime of this, then there's, there's, um, proof of early onset of Alzheimer's. And that's why sometimes when you're dieting, you're kind of brain foggy and, you know, because your, your brain is not getting the fuel that it needs to function properly. So those are kind of like the big, like big deal, um, symptoms that you can, or side effects you can have from HA. The, the more specific symptoms that I was noticing, like I mentioned, my thyroid was slow. So I was really cold all the time, especially like fingers and toes. Um, and I noticed this, this can be common where your body will grow like a, it's like a fuzzy, like, like light fuzzy peach fuzz hair all over Mm -hmm. your body. Um, because it's trying to like warm you up because you don't have enough body fat so that's another like just random thing that I noticed. Um, my my gut issues was a that was a really big one for me, and there were more things contributing. Now you know, a few years later, I know this. There were more things contributing to my gut issues besides the HA. I was dealing with parasites and things that I've been able to find since, but it is very common um, with HA to have gut issues. Um, especially like constipation and bloating and all this stuff, because basically your body's slowing down your digestion process because it's trying to extract every bit of nutrients out of your food that it can. And so that's going to slow everything down. So you're going to feel bloated. You're going to feel gassy and constipated. And you know, those, those gut issues often resolve unless you have other um, issues on top of that, those often resolve when you start eating more. And I did notice a huge improvement in my gut mm. when I did start consistently eating more. Um, so those yeah. were kind of like the main symptoms that I was noticing. I was just selfishly <laughs> curious about just the gut health in, in particular, because I remember when I was cutting out, like when I was really highly restricting my food, I had a lot of bloating and gas like symptoms where mm-hmm. my stomach was hurting all the time. And I was like, maybe I have a to- intolerance to cheese and dairy. And, you know, I would like start cutting out more and more food groups because I thought I was having an intolerance to, to certain foods. But as, and so I was, I was just curious because as I started to adding in more foods to my diet, I noticed 
that stuff started to shift. I don't have nearly as many issues as I used to. So I was just curious. <laughs> no, and that's a good point to bring up because um, that's really common where when... Because I was never... I, I always had a good relationship with food, but it was very... It was very... I mean, it was disordered. So it wasn't like I was restricting... Like I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I would absolutely say that I had orthorexia which is an obsession with health and healthy living and healthy eating and exercise. And, and so my, you know, I definitely had like those more off limits food, off limit foods. And that's really common where people will restrict like whole macronutrient groups. So they'll be really low carb, really low fat, or they'll have like their fear foods and their safe foods of things yep. that they, for whatever reason have, have designated as okay. And so that's one key thing in recovery is letting go of all of that. And um, just kind of experimenting and saying, you know, I might feel pretty crappy because you do when you haven't been eating carbs for 10 years or even, you know, a few months, and then you add them back and you're going to feel crappy. And so you kind of just have to like, let it be and just say, right now, my priority is to get my cycle back. And so I'm going to put up with the discomfort that brings that comes along with that because there will be discomfort. When you're going from eating 1,600 calories to 25, 26, 3,000 calories, you're going to feel some discomfort. But that's just part of the process. And you have to remember, this is all temporary. And I do now eat a lot more than I did, especially on days that I'm... Um, I'm exercising, but it doesn't have to be the continuous shoveling in of food. It's more, you can move to the intuitive eating, intuitive movement kind of lifestyle. Right. Well, this is good for sure. And this is good to mention too, just in general, I think when shifting from having those high restrictions to more of the intuitive mindset where I think people, one, I mean, there's multi layers to this, but there's a disc, like a distrust within their body because for so long they've said, I don't trust my body to tell me what it needs because I'm just going to eat everything or I'm going to eat 10 bags of cookies or whatever that is. But I think when you are shifting, so going back to that, creating that trust again, it's, it's a lot of internal work, but also when you're allowing yourself to eat again, especially those fear foods or those things that you've told yourself you can't have for so long, you might overeat, I'm using quotes here, or binge on those things you told yourself you couldn't have. And then I think people get frustrated in that stage because they're like, see, I can't, I can't eat intuitively because all I want are cookies for 10 days straight. But I think when you're shifting from that mindset, you have to allow your body to eat the things that you said you couldn't have for so many years so that you get to the point where it's like, okay, I don't think I want cookies today, you know, or you know what I mean? Like we have to give ourselves permission to go from one end to the other in order to find that balance. Absolutely. And honestly, during recover, recovery, there is no such thing as binging mm. or overeating. Like your body, your body wants like quick calories, once you start feeding it, you will notice that your hunger signals will upregulate. And that's a good thing. Your body is making up for years of restriction. So if you eat the full bag of cookies during recovery, there is no shame. There's no guilt. Like, like you ate the cookies, your body needed it and that's okay. And you, like you said, you will get to a point where you don't want the cookies and you're like, 
a salad actually sounds really nice. And you get to that point, but through that process, you do have to be very patient and very trusting because it's all part of the, 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 the journey. Yeah. I know that that's, that's tricky. And I've heard several people say, you know, well, I let myself move into that space and I couldn't stop eating, but your, yeah, your body's making up for so many years of restriction and it's, there's so much love and patience that has to go into letting yourself do that. And it's so important and it's a day by day thing. So I just encourage people to be patient and learn how to retrust your body again through that allowance. Like I think allowance is a good word in in this whole process. (laughs) Something that I think is interesting and something I want to dig into a little bit more and something I'm exploring as well as the concept of identity. And you talked about this a lot with your identity being shaped around fitness. And I'm starting to explore this idea of do we even need to have an identity or can we just every single day shape who we want to be in that moment and letting go of this expectation of identity? Because I think a lot of people wear these masks of perfectionism and I have everything together and this is who I am and everyone sees me that way. But shifting into who do I want to be right now in this moment? And so what is that... I? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to dig out where I want to go with this. I do. I like where you're going with this because it's true that like every day is a, is a new different day. And I don't think we necessarily have to say like, I am this person or I am that person as human beings. Like we, we naturally change and fluctuate and our moods and emotions and like every day is a little different and our interests change and our hobbies and our, you know, I think I think more than I, I guess the right word is not identity, but it's more like your, your values, like your core, like values is what you need to, to, to figure out and hold on to. And then just let yourself like be who you are in that day. But like redefining my priorities during recovery was huge. And my values of like, what do I value in myself? Like when I get to the end of my life, do I want to look back and think, oh, well, I had some really good workout days or, you know, I, I had a dang good body until I got to this point when all of our bodies change anyways. And then, you know, I mean, there's never a good or a bad body. And so I just kind of redefine the values of um, like, what's important? What do I want to leave on this earth? What do I want to spend my time doing? Um, and kind of creating more of those, recreating those core values and holding on to that helped me to let go of this identity and just let myself like be who I was going to be. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel, I'm like, I don't know how to ask this question. <laughs> it's a very abstract idea, but no, I, I, I feel you. I know what yeah, you're saying. Because everything you said, it's, I think we get so attached to being this certain person that we completely lose track of like, wait, who am I in this moment? Like, you know, we like having sit, we'll just use the fit girl example as your identity. What if you, you know, you wake up one morning and you, 
I think we're so attached to being a certain person or so attached to being something that everyone else has defined for us that we lose this beautiful ability to be able to wake up and each and in every single moment decide what it is that we want to be or do or, you know, like we can create our day, we can create our lives moment by moment. And if we're so attached to a specific identity, if we're so attached to being this person that everyone else defines us as, we lose that. And I think, like you said, do I want to look back and think, cool, I had a really good workout day. Or it's like, no, I was able to live out this person that feels so authentic and so true to who I actually want to be. And I have this beautiful life because I was able to create that in each and every moment. And so, yeah, I've been exploring this idea of like, do we even need to have an identity? And can we just be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I really like that. One thing I want to say um, is we can help the people around us, like the women around us, kind of not... Okay, so one thing that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's it really... I think it's... the Okay. One of the most damaging things that we can do as women, I think, is to compliment other women on their weight loss specifically um, because that encourages them to associate their worth and value and identity with being smaller. Yes. And that validation, I will say, you know, coming from this background of having a disordered body image and mindset around that, it can be extremely triggering. And it's still triggering for me today when someone around me is complimenting another woman on how much, how good she looks because she's lost so much weight. And that I think if we can just like, like why do we start validating and complimenting women when they're starving themselves? Like it makes no sense. (laughs) And so I just think, I mean, there's so much more about people than their bodies. Like, let's just change the conversation. Like, let's talk about the, you know, the, the other things that are important about people and that's not their bodies. Their bodies are their thing. They, you know, it's their, it's their, their decisions, their choice, their body. Right. So I just, I needed to get that out there because I think it can be something that's, it's so common um, for us to naturally compliment someone when they're losing weight because that's what our society does. But I think it can be really damaging. Yeah. Yes. And that goes too for, I think just in general, complimenting any, even if it's not a compliment, but just it talking about other women's or other people's bodies just in general mm. and yes. assuming something from a body type just in general. And I think, I, I mean, I totally agree. The conversation and, and just this, this thought also popped in my head, but like validating or um, the before and after photos. Yes. We're saying this body is worthy. This body was not worthy. You can't be happy in this body, but once you reach this body, then you can be happy. And I, there's so much wrong with that for me where we're saying weight loss equates or equals happiness or weight loss equals validation, weight loss equals worthiness. And I think changing that conversation is where, I mean, that's the reason why I'm doing the work I'm doing. But I think, yeah, it starts with 
What are we saying to the other women in our life? How are we supporting the other women in our life? Where can we shift the conversation from weight loss and validation and all of that to you're just a beautiful human and I appreciate the space you hold for me and all this kind of stuff. Like, let's start shifting the conversation and the views and just everything from weight loss to just our bodies as vessels allowing us to be humans on this earth. Absolutely. I love it. So is there anything else as we, as we close our time, is there anything else that you want to say to other women listening to other women who may think that they have HA or who are currently struggling with HA or to just women in general? Yes. Um, first I would say that you need to recognize that you're not alone in this, that there are thousands of women struggling with this and that you and many of them have been able to recover by taking the right steps and you are not alone. There is so much support out there for you, whether it's online or in person. Um, and I want to be one of those women that can support you through this process. Um, and whatever that looks like for you, you're not alone. So that's one thing I would say. Um, another thing that I think is important to mention is that there will be a lot of doubt. Um, at least in my case, there was a lot of doubt with the actual diagnosis because there's a lot of confusion. A lot of times people are told they have PCOS Mm -hmm. or you can have HA at any body size. You can technically be in the obese BMI category, but if you have lost a significant amount of weight, typically it's about 10 pounds or more, then you can have HA. So these are all things to remember that don't just dismiss um, the possibility of HA because of what your doctor says or what you think. Because I technically was in a normal BMI category and I was so sick and I had serious um, issues because of, of my body size and lifestyle. So if you feel like you have HA, um, don't wait any longer. Because uh, each day without a cycle is making you sicker. And it's so easy to put off. I did this for 10 years thinking I'm fine. In the back of my mind, I always kind of wondered, but you know, I was having the withdrawal bleed. I was, don't wait any longer. Um, go see if you're on birth control, get off of birth control. That's step one. See what your body does. Um, and then go get some blood work done. You know, give your body a few months to get past the the horm- the artificial synthetic hormones that you, the birth control puts into your body. After three to six months, still no period. Go get some blood work done, and um, then take everything that your doctor says with a grain of salt. A lot of women with HA will go get their blood work done, and their doctor says everything is normal. But that that's very common with HA. Um, So take things with a grain of salt, read the book, no period, now what? Um, And then just trust in the process and give yourself a few months to just go for it. Go all in, make those mindset changes, however you need to do that. Um, Reach out for support. 
um, join communities and then just give yourself, your body some time to heal and rest. What's the worst that can happen? Right. Um, and I will just tell you from my personal experience, I like the only thing I regret is not doing this sooner Mm. is not making these changes sooner and changing my lifestyle sooner because I feel so much freedom now and so much joy and real happiness. And it's not joy from a hard workout, right? It's not that, that, um, that high that you get from, I mean, it's real, like my life is joyful now and I find joy in relationships and de-stressing and yoga. I mean, there's so much joy and happiness and freedom to be found with a healthy body. So that's kind of what I would leave with women who are struggling. Love it. I think too, something I want to add is like, and I think for you, you and I have a similar mission here is like helping other women redefine what health means because it's so, it's, it's so derived from weight loss and being on a meal plan and all this kind of stuff, but really get in tune with your body. And if something feels off, something probably is off. And it's like, trust that, get curious. And if you don't want to get off of birth control for whatever reason, like, and you're still feeling weird, try shifting something else. You know, like it, you're, you can still eat more food. You can still take rest days. Like just get curious and know that your body is sending you information. Your body is so smart and learning how to trust that, like you said, has brought me true, true, true freedom. And, and I think that that's the piece that we all search for in this quest of weight loss is that freedom piece and feeling, I think it's feeling the freedom that we're all searching for, but that I think comes with true self-acceptance and true health defined by you, not defined by the fitness and diet industries. So that was just, I, I feel like that's important to add. And coming back to that curiosity piece and that love piece will be huge in that journey. Yes. Amen. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Sarah, where can people find you if they want to connect? So um, primarily on Instagram and my blog, Instagram at Kiwi and Carrot. I also have um, a fitness Instagram, Fit for Life by Sarah, but I've kind of been transitioning things over to Kiwi and Carrot. Mm. Um, So you can find me on Instagram or the blog, kiwiandcarrot.com. Perfect. And then I'm going to link up um, a couple of those other resources that you've mentioned as well and your ebook. Um, I took a look at that and I think it's beautiful and there's a lot of good nuggets in there. And... I so appreciate you coming on and and sharing your story. And I think being vulnerable and changing the relationship we have to vulnerability is just going to help so many more women across the world in showing that we don't have to wear these masks. We don't have to live in these identities that we think we should be living in. And I just appreciate this time and and you sharing your story. And I think it's just going to help so many more people. So thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this. It's been awesome. Good. Um, Well, thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.